Welcome to the Teaching Excellence podcast, hosted by me, Steph Wilkinson, quality improvement specialist and wellbeing fanatic, interested in how we provide high quality education. I'm interested in culture, innovation, and how we use evidence-informed practice to really make a difference. I'm joined each week by people doing great things in education to share their experiences and freshest thinking with you all. I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Teaching Excellence podcast. Um, We are joined today by Lindsay Wilson. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, Steph. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I say I'm good. I am just about coherent after a foot operation and um yeah I'm day four it's not been it's not been great um but I think I'm doing quite well so this is a welcome um interruption to my recovery actually so thanks for joining me um we've been chatting a lot recently on messages mainly about things that we're interested in and uh, we just thought it'd be really useful to share that thinking with people whilst it's a specific time of the year everyone's getting ready to go back for a new year and we are specifically sort of interested in induction and um, how we start the year well um so first of all let's um you why don't you introduce yourself um for those who don't know you okay so i'm lindsay wilson I'm currently working as an advanced practitioner at a large further education college. This is my 19th year in FA. I can't believe it. Well done. Um, So my background is sports. Mm -hmm. So kind of um, worked my way up through the ranks Mm -hmm. in sports and then went more into sort of teacher training and coaching type advanced practitioner positions Mm -hmm. um but yeah I love all things teaching and learning and education and I also have a real interest in in mental health and kindness as well yes you do and we met online didn't we um you're we've never actually met in real life um we met when when Joy FE came about which is like two two over two years ago like not quite two and a half years ago but we instantly kind of clicked around those themes of kindness and well-being and um wanting the best for others so yeah we've had a we've had a really nice relationship I think a really nice friendship um and we do we think we think very similarly don't we? we do we definitely do and so we hope um by sharing this thinking around induction or we've centered it around induction that it'll be useful to others so um let's just start with a big question which is um what have you been thinking what's your freshest thinking on induction oh big question Steph. <laughs> um so yeah i've been starting to think about induction so i'll be doing some staff development with the teams that I look after so that's sport and public service and construction I'll be doing that at the end of October so I've been very much thinking about how we can build did I say October then or August yeah you said October but you mean August (laughs) I thought you did I thought you was uh tricking me then (laughs) so I'm thinking how we can build relationships with learners and give them a sense of belonging Mm. I know from my own experience how important that is and you know we really need to intentionally make people feel welcome it's so important um and it's not just about students you know it, it's everybody and 
we know don't we that some staff leave organizations because of it it's it's that crucial mm. um so for me and from my experience and I've done this myself mm. Beth, and I, I feel a bit guilty about this now actually but too many teachers pull their induction file off the shelf mm. and just deliver the same old thing every year so the same icebreakers the same tour of the building and I've, like I say I've done it myself um you know I've even done evaluations with students where they've told me what they liked and what they didn't like but then it's just such a busy time in September isn't it it gets filed away until the next year and and sometimes we don't do anything about mm. those things that they maybe didn't like yeah I think it is it's really interesting actually because it's it's the same um challenge that we have in FE with everything which is everything so hectic that sometimes we're just head down in the doing and we don't always get breathing space to think about the why Mm -hmm. and what I think we're actually getting at underneath our conversations that we've had around this is if you think about induction from a values-led place or a principles sort of led place you get a different answer of what you want to achieve if you look at it through that lens rather than the lens of like the induction checklist the tick list yeah Yeah. building tick yeah Yeah. and 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 I think you've touched on one already which is about relationships for me um I did a piece of work last year which we ended up um having like five pillars of of induction and one of them was relationships and we'll dig we'll dig into that a little bit more because sometimes that's kind of not always fully understood what we mean by good relationships but actually if you look at some of the positive psychology research which I know people who listen to the podcast often will know that I'm quite into positive psychology as are you is there is a real um there's real evidence around engagement and motivation if people feel a sense of belonging and you touched on that didn't you so um like how do you think about that when you're designing induction and what what are the sorts of things that you try to do with your groups um it is so important stuff isn't it and I'm just thinking about John Hattie and how he talks about relationships between teachers and students can accelerate learning I can't remember the actual uh, figures but I mm-hmm. think it's something around a year's worth of growth so it has okay. a real, real impact on student progress um I've got a great book by a lady called Marilee Spranger it's called social emotional learning in the brain and it's I bought it a while ago but I, I get it out quite often mm. and it's got some brilliant strategies for building relationships some of some of which I have tried mm. um so for example just greeting students at the door mm. just such a simple thing um but you know in the book it says it can increase achievement by 20% yeah. and lower disruptive behavior by nine percent so so simple yeah just standing at the door and saying hi to your students how are you Mm. Um, has a has a massive impact and I think we we get we often get a bit distracted by the you know the process of induction like we were saying and the process of we need to get to know our students and when we say that sometimes we can think about that from a well what do they know what are their grades how how do they study 
like they're all legitimate things to think about but actually we really need to get to know them as people yeah. and so if we design induction around getting to know them as people getting to know a little bit of like who they are who they're about what they're about what do they like what their experience is um you know whether that be at school or whether it be about hobbies or whether it be whatever that is mm. we have to be able to build a space where we get to know them so I think I don't think there's one way of doing that but you know there's a bit of a like you could go down the show and tell route you know where students have got to create a bit of a you know stand up and sort of present themselves for five minutes that would be quite daunting for a lot of students so yeah. it this might be where we actually get them to use very early doors social media creative methods yeah. working in group discussions um, to actually like pull out all of that information where we get to know them as people yeah I think you're right Steph so understanding the human that's in front of you yeah but I think you made a good point there about um I can't remember what words you use but just just considering how those icebreakers and getting to know your activities might feel I think you use the word threatening mm. um and you know there was a post on Twitter or Facebook the other day about you know the one where you have to share something fun about yourself um and it made me think about I mean I've just done that one recently in some training I was in and I, I was so anxious trying to think of something fun about myself that I wasn't really listening to anybody else so I think again you know when you're thinking about you getting to know your students activities mm-hmm. just just considering how they might feel about it as well and the timing so you know maybe you need to do some other sort of warm-up activities before you do something like that it's a bit like the the code of conduct isn't it and the you know talking about the ground rules you wouldn't do that as your first thing mm. into the classroom so I think the timing of induction and the activities needs some careful consideration as well yeah you just reminded me actually of an activity that I've seen um some people do which is um vision boarding so yeah. they've, they've done some sort of vision boarding type um collage you know um art approach to telling a story about them so they can create boards about what they like what they enjoy what they what they're interested in what they did over summer what about the family um you know and just dig in a little bit and get them to create a bit of a vision board um or or a this is me board and then they can they don't have to stand up and present it it might just be in small groups that they rotate around and and talk to each other about what's on their boards but then you might draw in it's quite nice to draw in a vision board for where do they want to be by the end of the course yeah I think getting them to think about well what would they if they were to say right by the end of the course I want to achieve x create that as a vision board as well I think that is such a lovely activity stuff. I I love vision boards. Me, me and you once did yeah. one together, didn't we? Yeah. Um, but you just got me thinking there about because the other piece of work that I've been doing is around sort of um expectations and high expectations. And mm-hmm. I was thinking, yeah, we do the we do the standard stuff. So like I said, I called it code of conduct, didn't I? But you know, typical type of things I might do is is mm-hmm. to get them to come up with five rules and then we'll try and turn them into so they sound a bit more positive so instead of saying don't do this you know flipping them and making them thinking about the language that we're using Mm. so I think that's kind of like your standard stuff your professional standards things like wearing your lanyard you know taking your coat off putting your bags away 
and we're familiar as teachers we're familiar with sort of like the ETF professional standards so to me they're like the rules as such Mm -hmm. and then you'll also hear teachers talking about behavior expectations similar I think but what we don't hear we we know that I mean it's a buzzword in education isn't it high expectations but do we actually create a space to think about what high expectations look like because it's different to to yeah. rules in the classroom isn't it and behavior expectations and it, and what you just said i think students need to be part of that and part of that vision and it needs to be a collaborative activity of the teacher and the student in what you know what do high expectations look like and and how are we going to create together this classroom culture mm-hmm. so i think that would be a really lovely activity to do yeah, and, and actually going a step back and making sure you're all in a similar space or on a similar page in the team, it's useful as a curriculum team to also sit down and say, okay, we're going to create high expectations this year for our students. What does that look like? What yeah. does that sound like? Because the language, you, you dead right, the language that we use is like so important. So what does that look like? What does that sound like? What does that feel like? Yeah. And, and then how do we create that in the classrooms and sometimes you I'm like I am that vision person I'm very visionary I love to think about well what does it look like if we're going to create this thing and then you have to work backwards and look at how do you operationalize that and unless you kind of do that as a team to get that sort of joined up approach you can get you know all different people doing different things which can sometimes confuse the students yeah. I think some of the best teams that I've seen in all the different colleges around the country that I've been in are where they're all on the same page and they're all got these really high expectations for their students it's all about um maximum sort of potential um or maximizing student potential it's all about the language it's all about um you set that stall out about you you being there to facilitate them to be their best selves from day one but but what that has to also include is that discussion about what does it look like? What does it sound like? What does it feel like? And then within that, what are the routines that we're going to have in place that will mean that we're, we're facilitating that well? So yeah. it could be to do with behavior expectations and rules around you know, practical skills and workshops. So again, some of the best that I've seen there is where students come in it's quite regimental in the way that they get set up for a practical lesson to do with health and safety and lanyards and register but actually they're getting ready to um for industry because they're going through all the things the checks that they would need to do to get ready to go into like a practical setting where things can be quite dangerous so it is about then how you operationalize that and how you communicate that with students um Because I think sometimes if it's not a joined up approach, like I said, it can cause a bit of confusion, can't it? Yeah, I think you have two things there that I'm thinking about. So first of all, um, you mentioned sort of doing a piece of work as a team and and with your colleagues. And Mm -hmm. I think that's something that would perhaps skip skip a little bit. So everybody comes back from the summer holidays and we're sort of straight into induction. And I think you're right. I think as as a team you've got particularly with behavior you've got to have that conversation and about you know what what your standards or expectations are for that consistency and it's interesting isn't it because 
you know, do you know what's expected of you? Do you have, yes, you have your appraisals and things, but do you know what's expected of you as a team from your manager? Um, you know, do they make it clear what they want you to achieve that year? And if you're part of a team, do you have team expectations that people are accountable for? So what do you expect from your team members? So things like being willing to help each other, mm. not it's not my job kind of attitude, being positive and encouraging. So yes, there's a piece of work I think for staff to do around um, values and vision and, yeah. uh, and, and what their expectations are. Mm. And then there was something else you said, what was the second thing? You just reminded me yep. oh, about professional standards. So yeah. yes, right, right. So industry. So, you know, again, in my experience where I've seen brilliant teaching and learning, um, I can think of two areas. So uh, motor vehicle and hair and beauty. Yeah. And you will see those routines as soon as you walk into the classroom. So hair and beauty you know, you'll see the, the tick list. Have they taken the jewellery off? Have they tied the hair back? Have they got the uniform on? Um, so I think those professional standards, particularly when they're working with real things, so I'm thinking cars or real people, so clients in the hairdressing salon, maybe where there's a bit more of a consequence, um, you know, you see the students really developing that independence and responsibility and you see that great progress. So... I think you and I have spoke about it before. It's how do you, for subjects that aren't like that, where, they, where they're not working with real things or re, real people, how do you replicate that industry sort of set up, if you like? Yeah, and, and there's a couple of things that I've talked about with um, colleges recently, which is which I'm really excited to see if if and how people get it off the ground. But there's a real place, especially with the agenda about working really closely with employers, there's a real place for employer coaching as part of delivery. So, you know, having employers that pop in, you know, into different lessons, into practicals um, and sort of assess regularly, kind of give their view and their opinion on the practical skills that the students are developing in a coaching sort of model rather than like an assessment model but more that you know it's this supportive coaching that employers can then give real insights into industry and what's expected but also boost the student's confidence from someone that's not the tutor and yeah. I think there's a real place for like employer coaching as part of curriculum delivery for sure um one of the things you got me thinking about actually is that is well employer co-delivery but it links onto this other pillar that I often talk about in, in induction is is about building community which yeah. is very much linked to relationships, relationships. Yeah. Um, but that discussion about collective vision for me as a team sometimes we do these activities with teams which is okay what's excellence mm -hmm. what is teaching and learning excellence for yeah. our apartment yeah. and then we forget about it we we do it as an activity for an hour together yeah. and then everyone forgets it and goes back to pulling the files off the shelf or whatever yeah. actually I think there's a place to refresh that every single year I but do. not just do it for once a year it's you do it at the start of the year and say okay what's excellence this year for us as a department and then 
at the end of each term or the beginning of the next term, we can go back and go, right, this is what we said we were doing and this is how we said we were going to do it. Yeah. What are we on with? How is it going? What are we managing to achieve excellence through these things? What are our amber or red areas if we want to go down the rag rating route? What are the things that we're not doing so well at? What are the things we could do better at? Because if we're always striving for excellence, not from a, from a you know, put a grade on anything sort of position but for always in that mindset where we can always grow learn develop and improve yeah that learning for life yeah like, it becomes yeah. a reflective process yeah. where we're always talking about what is excellence in our department and some of the evidence shows that the colleges and the schools that achieve excellence are the ones that are constantly talking about and reflecting on what they're doing and how they're doing it and how we're going to achieve excellence without blame, shame, or finger pointing. Yeah. Um, so I think there's real room for that at the beginning of this term, isn't there? Before we get going in induction, we go, what is excellence for us as a department and maybe hone in on what does that mean in induction for our students um, but that collective vision, I think, then when you take it into a classroom, the students can be part of that collective vision as well because they yeah. can say what they would like to see, what do they want, what do they expect this year, what do they want, who do they want to hear from, mm -hmm. um, what sorts of learning experiences would they really love to have included in the course. Then we can just see if we can facilitate it. Yeah. Yeah. We, we can't always we can't always give them everything that they want um but uh we can always try to include as much as what students want in a program can't we definitely yeah and it's I think those little things make a a, a real difference don't they so that yeah. loads of collaboration and just just being creative about how you do things yeah so reflection is key I think um the, you reminded me of two other bits actually reflection for me is a is a practice and often students will come in and they've not developed that practice yeah. so we the best reflection I see is where we build those reflective frameworks we build reflective activities we build in um, self-reflection peer reflection sort of opportunities that has to be purposeful and um me. yeah yeah you mentioned something to me earlier Steph before we went on to the podcast about um learners building a sense of self yeah um and you you talked about reflective practice within that like creating spaces for them to sort of form opinions on things have a voice mm -hmm. so is that something you feel should that be built into tutorial stuff or in just in just everyday sort of teaching practice? I think for me, it's it's definitely about both. Um, and they're two slightly different things to me. So for induction, I think we need to think about induction as a like this real opportunity to inspire learners. Yeah. This is the like the why that they should be here and be part of this industry. So getting employers involved, whether it be trips and visits, whether it be guest speakers, whether it be showing, getting people on video calls, um, whether it be 
um creative activities whether you know whatever that is it's got to be about inspiring learners we want to show them what's going on in industry what we also want to show them what they can be part of rather than it typically induction can get a bit boring when we're focusing on the modules that we're going to deliver analyze evaluate (laughs) And, and that will come that will come but that that first six weeks in particular has to be how well yeah yeah and be exciting and but a real opportunity to really get to know our students so for me that reflective practice also in induction needs to be like what are they interested in what but you have to put things in front of them to be able to say whether they're interested in them so uh, the reflective practice also because one of the things we do in induction is focus on what we're not great at so what are the gaps we talk about gaps in learning we talk about what students are not good at we talk about the like bridging the gaps and actually what we also need to do is balance that with what they're good at yeah but sometimes they don't know what they're good at, but you have to create scenarios, create situations. We need to celebrate it and we need to know what they're coming in with. And and there's been a lot of talk, hasn't there, since COVID about different, like you say, gaps in learning. And, and, you know, for us now, there's a focus on doing sort of like a real robust initial assessment and seeing what these learners' starting points are. Um, But I think yeah I like that focus on sort of the positives what good stuff are they coming in with what what are the strengths what can we utilize rather than just trying to plug the gaps all the time and I think that fits in nicely as well with sort of responsive teaching and um I don't know if I dare mention the word schemes of work but (laughs) having that flexibility to go actually they've all come in with this so we don't need to spend as much time on this and being really flexible in our our planning for learning as well using that it it always has to be the so what doesn't it I think that again is missing often which is we do induction we do initial assessment and then we don't answer the question so what and people make this really complicated but ultimately I always talk about um, establishing a comprehensive start point which is about knowledge skills and behaviors what are they coming in with what what are they good at what are they not so good at and what do they not know anything about also what are those wider skills if anyone's not um sort of familiar with the world economic forum the world economic forum talks about these wider skills for career readiness and industry readiness so on there is things like complex problem solving you know if your industry requires complex problem solving, then let's have it as a focus, as a skill yeah. for the year. But we have to have like a knowledge, skills and behaviour sort of assessment at the beginning so that we can then track and monitor progress. I like that. So are you sort of suggesting like an, a bit of an industry sort of skill scan yeah. as well? Yeah. As, like as an initial assessment tool. That's a really lovely idea. Yeah. yeah, and I think I'm I'm debating doing another whole podcast on start points because I've just done um a bit of a guide um of, like a narrated overview um for a piece of work that I'm doing about establishing initial start points. What we need to be careful of is that we're not over just over assessing in that first yeah. six weeks. We're just constantly putting students through these like assessments and tests and seeing what they know, what they don't know because yeah. that, that becomes boring. 
yeah yeah then we're going to see them walk out the door especially if we're focusing on what they're not great at because then we've got just constantly telling them yeah better at we don't have to I think there's always this thing in induction that we have to cram everything in as well and you know we know about cognitive overload and but it's like cram 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 let's give them all this information they can't possibly retain all that and like I say it's boring and Mm. you know why can't we spread that out over the first six weeks and you know break it down into into chunks we don't need to it's like you said earlier it's just moving away from that sort of tick list sort of mentality isn't it and just think we can do things a bit differently yeah and if we think about um things that improve engagement and motivation um other things that improve motivation and engagement is when you know where you're going and what you're doing so this transparency around the learner journey is really important but moving it away from well this is the unit and this is the assessment that would we need to be talking about the bigger why and you know that's where we tap into a sense of purpose and students understanding that sort of more motivational why that's a bigger picture and a bigger story that's beyond the qualification but that's where these knowledge skills and behavior frameworks come in which is um looking at what how we can assess knowledge skills behavior start points career readiness start points which can also include people skills communication problem solving but then i think one of the really good examples i've seen um in a college where students were really clear about what they could work towards was they had some career roadmaps yeah i love those yeah and it just there was there was like five or six different avenues so the one of the examples the best examples i've seen is in animal so there's so many opportunities in animal around there's welfare there's there's vet nursing there's um like commercial side of things and i can't even remember all six but the six there was sort of six oh like conservation wildlife yeah there was sort of six main avenues they could kind of go down and but by having them at the beginning of the course meant that they could constantly constantly reflect on oh well which one do I kind of like the idea of and then it meant that within their assignments when they were given a bit of a choice of what to write about or maybe given different case studies to think about they could align those case studies with the different routes that they could go down eventually and I just think it's really if especially if it's visual and it's very explicit in terms of these are the knowledge skills behaviors required for this route these Mm -hmm. are the knowledge skills behaviors required for this sort of route students will from the day one be quite inspired about where they can go and what they can do rather than being focused on like qualification and modules and I love that Steph about sort of you know a visual to sort of give them a range of different pathways and then sort of tailoring your, your, your teaching and learning around that so giving them a range of activities and choice and you know the the opportunity to you know uh incorporate their interests and their particular pathway within that and you know going back to high expectations to me teaching practices that say high expectations are those sorts of things so where learners have got 
a range of activities and choice where the teacher's asking lots of open questions so they can really give their opinions and views mm. lots of formative assessment rephrase rephrasing questions um being clear about the learning intentions and like you say the bigger picture and of course everyone's favorite topic target setting well, <laughs> we, won't, we won't go there because we've only got a few minutes left yeah we won't go there but yeah I think again one of the other another college I've been at one of their visuals included what that learner journey looked like from level one level two level three and beyond so but it mapped it to jobs that they could go into so if they wanted to go into um like equine physiotherapy for example they need to be working to level five level through level five level six um and so it from the beginning gave the students a very clear route of what they would be able to go on to and and for me you know that also includes from level two where the progression might be level three but it also might be an apprenticeship yeah um and it's it's making sure that we we do show students what all these options are but the message there is that we're going to help them fulfill their potential and yeah you keep saying the word beyond and and that is it Steph it's beyond the qualification and it's about having those little conversations with the learners and seeing what their beyond looks like mm-hmm. then you know breaking it down and thinking about how they can like you say ful- fulfill that dream and, and ambitious and that that to me is high expectations really yeah and some of the best that I've seen actually like you say um hair and beauty often nail it yeah motor vehicle and um welding often nail it yeah these really sharp routines but the others that often nail it especially around relationships and community and sense of self is sport they often build a really tight team the students are part of that team yeah um they're constantly driving this sort of high they want the best for the students they won't let them you know be take sort of second choice for things they're going to really push them and they do it with a real coaching sort of um inspiring approach that really you know gets students heavily involved in their own learning and and that sense of self and direction about where they want to go well as I say Steph I'm I'm working with sport and construction this year so I'm I'm very new to working with these teams so so I hope that's that's true what you said about sport I'm sure I will I'll see <laughs> finding out but I'm really yeah. looking forward to working with them yeah and 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 so um we'll pull it all together because I mean I think there's loads of we've sort of talked about loads of different um things there and but we wanted to share some of that thinking so that people go oh actually you know let's think about induction with a slightly different lens and I think relationships and community especially around this transparent curriculum um and reflective practice and making sure we give students space to form that sense of self around opinions and discussions and debates but I think you know that building of community and relationships within a team whether it be through study groups whether they have that peer-to-peer like buddy systems in place whether it be the vision boards and really getting to know the students but the students really really getting to know the industry yes within that then by the time you get to the first six weeks you can say okay considering all of that where do you want to go how do you want to get there? 
how you know what do you need to improve on but what strengths are you built bringing as well to the table yeah, yeah what can we celebrate yeah. yeah and I think that's just a really Always. really nice way to think about induction compared to the usual tick list yeah <laughs> exciting and, and useful yeah brilliant so I think yeah just hopefully people will, will have a listen to this and maybe just do a bit of quiet contemplation and think about how we can maybe do induction a little bit better yeah and um just so everyone uh, if anyone gets chance or everyone knows in anchor you can leave a little voice note so if there's anything in particular you particularly liked um leave Linz and I a little voice note and we'll um we'd love to hear what you thought of any of those things um but otherwise um thanks for joining me Linz and thanks for having me and I will hopefully hear and speak to everyone soon Thanks for listening to the Teaching Excellence podcast. Leave us a voice message in Anchor. Tweet us and let us know what you think or what you want to hear on the show. Tune in next week for more. Have an amazing week and be the best version of you.